0: This is Zealous, an in-depth look behind the scenes of legal matters straight from the attorneys of Gimbal Riley, Garen and Brown.
1: Welcome to Zealous. I'm your host, Brianna Meyer, and this is the place to immerse yourself in the legal world. Today, we're talking about balancing motherhood and being an attorney with Jacqueline Kelly. Jacqueline is an associate here at GRGB. Prior to joining the firm, Jacqueline concentrated her practice in the area of civil litigation and insurance defense. She received her JD from Marquette University Law School with a certificate in civil litigation in 2012. She was also recently named one of the best lawyers ones to watch for business organizations, litigation real estate, litigation construction, litigation trust and estates, and personal injury litigation. Jacqueline is incredibly smart, incredibly powerful, and incredibly fun to be around. She is, as we'll talk about, the mother to two adorable children, and is a great person to shed some light on what it's like to balance work life and personal life. Well, Jackie, not only are you an attorney and an extraordinaire in the legal field, but you're an extraordinary mother as well. If you say so, Bree. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I think you are. Okay, exactly. well, thank you. Exactly. And let's let's get a little bit of background before we start, just to, to paint a picture of your family, because I think it's important that we say that every family is different. Things work differently for every family, and whatever works for your family is great.
0: Absolutely, yes. Um, I have a husband who... Uh, works in the education field. Mm-hmm. And then I have two kiddos, um, a daughter who's four and a son who's one. And the four-year-old just started going to school. Yes, she did. She just started uh, 4K in Elmbrook and is um, a rock star kiddo already on day
1: two. So that's amazing. very excited. Yeah. That's amazing. And another important thing um, and you can tell me whether it's a, a benefit or a negative. It's, you've met a lot of family nearby, too.
0: We do, yeah. Um, my husband and I both grew up in the area, and um, almost all of our family, including like extended family, is in the area. And there are days where that's a positive, and there are <laughs> days where that's a little bit less so. But I would say generally um, that falls on the on, on the good
1: side of, of things. Yeah, Definitely. And one thing... And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that your parents help watch your kids and your in-laws do too, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Both sets of grandparents um, are watching the kids all the time. And then um, my husband actually is comes from a family of six siblings. Ooh. So, yeah, um, if one of the grandmas or grandpas can't watch the kiddos, we can call on one of the aunts or uncles um, to help out. So we always have childcare when we actually take the time to ask,
1: <laughs> Just, <laughs> which, which doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, it's rare, but I think it is important to lay out, you know, that you're, you have access to childcare and you guys are both able to work. And I think that that yes. is something that not everyone necessarily has.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're both full-time workers and actually for both of our kids up until they were about one and a half. We actually were, were able to rely on family to watch them. That's and then um, both of them started at a daycare at around that age. So that f- also felt really good to know that when they were little, little
1: ones, mm-hmm. little babies, that it was family taking care of them. Definitely. And let's talk about the fact that you're both full-time workers, and especially the fact that you're a full-time worker and a full-time mom. It's a <laughs> <Yes>. lot. <laughs> it is a lot. How do you... I mean, this is a loaded question, but how do you juggle that? It seems impossible.
0: It is impossible, and um, every day is survival mode, and I would say um, some days are better than others, and it's all about balance and setting boundaries um, in both work and home life. Um, but every day we're figuring it out, <laughs> and it is,
1: um, it's a work in progress. Can you give some examples of, of boundaries? I mean, obviously, I know as being an attorney, it's hard to draw boundaries when it comes to work, but it's necessary. Yeah.
0: Um, examples. So I guess, again, it I have to set boundaries in both work and home mm-hmm. life. So there are some times where in, in work life, I'll get like a client call after hours mm-hmm. and I I need to decline the call um, Mm -hmm. as long as it's not, you know, an emergency situation because that's my my family time, right? Um, And then there are other instances where um, I'm at home and we're, you know, being pulled in one direction or another Mm -hmm. to spend time with extended family and I think it's important for kids to kind of have some downtime and so I need to set boundaries with family. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it, it goes both ways both in learning to say no or to be selective with work time with family time mm-hmm. um so it like I said that that's just kind
1: of like a work in progress and yeah. uh, figure it out as you go kind of a situation definitely did you s- discover any new boundaries needing to be drawn I'm guessing the answer is yes I don't want to assume but with COVID and working from home oh absolutely
0: Yeah, well, there's only so many boundaries you can draw when you're living in like a little ranch home (laughs) (laughs) that does not have like a private office space. So for a while, my husband and I were both working at our kitchen table, Mm -hmm. and we had a family member. We were fortunate enough to have a family member watch our kids, but in home. So, you know, sometimes they were playing in the family room right next to us. So um, you use a lot of earplugs and come up with some kind of unique rules for the kids about what they could do and, and when and so that you can still be productive and um Eden my daughter learned whenever she um saw me um, at the kitchen table with my laptop she knew that that was work time and she eventually um, learned that she should not disturb me so um, eventually which is yeah fun. yeah it didn't That's take her lot. long yeah. it, it didn't take her long um and every once in a while she would forget but she was pretty good about knowing that that mm-hmm. was kind of essentially my office. Well, for a kid, that's four, that's a lot yeah. to learn. Oh yeah,
1: I would say. Yeah.
0: Well, and she was 3 when oh my covid gosh. started and my my little my son mm-hmm. was 6 weeks old yeah. when the state went into a lockdown.
1: So it was Oh my god. It was chaotic. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about that cuz you were on maternity leave during covid. I was. Yeah. Walk us through your experience with that. So
0: I, I, um, <laughs> I remember going into labor and knowing that COVID existed by that point, mm-hmm. um, because this would be February of 2020. And my husband and I were both curious whether or not there was a COVID case in Frederick at that point. We mm-hmm. were just curious if there was one. Right. That's kind of where our mindset was. And then fast forward, I only took six weeks of maternity leave. Mm-hmm. So fast forward five weeks, and the state went into a lockdown, and I had a week left right. of maternity leave. Um, so it didn't feel so different at the time because I had already been kind of hunkered down in my home taking care of a newborn. Right. But then I came out of maternity leave to um, working from home. And at least in the beginning, we didn't actually have childcare for. Mm-hmm probably close to two months Oh my gosh. so Whew. yeah it was not easy but thankfully this is the kind of profession where you can work kind of at any hour mm-hmm. of the day right so right. Um, and I, I did that even before COVID happened I would mm-hmm. I would sit in bed before um, you know going to bed and I would be reading a brief or reading a case or reviewing some emails right. and so that's what I had to do for about the first two months was just be really um, kind of creative in fitting in work time in between also taking yeah. care of kids. a newborn. And a newborn, and really a newborn. yeah. he Thankfully, he was still a, a big sleeper at the time, and that helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Eden was more demanding than my son was. Okay.
1: Other than Eden <laughs> being more demanding, and I know that you only really had one week in COVID and maternity leave, what... Were there any differences, did you notice, or was it pretty much the same? Because, like you said, you already hungered down. Like, differences as far as what? Between the two maternity leaves. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> um,
0: I would just say the only difference, because both of my maternity leaves, I just kind of hung out with the baby and mm-hmm. just stayed at home and tried to relax and try to right. regroup and rest when I could. So as far as that, you know, the fact that I, I was then ordered to stay yeah. like at home, um, it was like, well, <laughs> I'm already I here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that <laughs> didn't feel all that different, but there was a much um, higher level ang- of anxiety. Totally. Because you're already kind of in mama bear protective mode of your kids, and then now mm-hmm. there's this virus and... Um, especially with, with my son, who was just teeny-tiny at the time, I was really, really scared for him. Like that, And started ordering everything online. You know, yeah. I mean, just, like, really not leaving the house, even for groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just say it was kind of my mental state was a little bit different. But as far as, like, the day-to-day activities, it was probably the same, actually, between the two maternity
1: leaves. And we touched on it a little bit, but what sort of differences... Was there when, you know, you were done with your maternity leave with Eden and, I almost said eternity leave, (laughs) (laughs) When you were done with your maternity leave with Eden and then you went back to the office. Yep, yep. Versus the transition from being done with your maternity leave and still being at home.
0: Yeah, those were like night and day. Mm -hmm. So both times I only took six weeks, Mm -hmm. which I know is kind of crazy, but it's what was right for me and right. for my family. Um with with my daughter four years ago, um after six weeks, I just went to work full time. Yeah. And I really appreciated having like a professional atmos- adult yes. atmosphere <laughs> to pull me away from kind of the chaos of, of a kid. Mm-hmm. And um and then I'd go home to her every day. With my son, it I didn't leave the house for Mm -hmm. the first two months. And then even after that, actually, um, when things started to slowly trickle back open a little bit, Mm -hmm. I was still working from home full time for
1: really almost all of the summer. I don't
0: think I came back into the office really until fall other than like a couple of quick trips to grab some stuff. Mm -hmm. So what I was saying is that... um, the difference between my maternity or my return to work with Eden and Duke and with Duke, um, I went from my maternity leave to working from home for, I don't, it was probably close to six months aside from a couple occasional trips into the mm-hmm. office to grab like a file or something. Um, I really didn't return to the office with any regularity until the fall. And then even then it was very limited. Right, um, and so that was just, completely different um but i think we were all you know forced to do that and yeah. just kind of figure it out which is motherhood
1: yeah <laughs> let's that's figure it out <laughs> do you think it was i know this is kind of a crappy question but do you think it was tougher then to come back to work eventually after covid than it was after your first maternity leave, just because you're like physically into the office yeah no okay. I was
0: just <laughs> yeah. all I wanted to do was get out of my house I Perfect. um I have a lot I get a lot of value out of my job yeah. and out of working and being in a professional atmosphere mm-hmm. and so that's part of the reason why I took as short of maternity leaves as I did because as much as I value being a mother um I know that I am a better mother if I um, and doing my job right. and being here. Right. So it was very difficult to work from home. And all I wanted to do was to come back into the office. Okay. And I guess, you know, the kind of lunch break hugs yeah, guess, and things like that. Um, but, but no, I, I was excited to return. Yeah. And
1: how has it been since? Has it just kind of stuck back into how, life was, you know, when you first had Eden and then went to back to work? Is it similar to that now or? Kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the office every day now
0: and, um, this past June, both kids went back to daycare up until then we had a family member watching them. Okay. And now uh, my daughter is in school and my son's in daycare. Mm-hmm. So even though I don't know that really the situation as far as COVID is concerned has changed all that much, we are kind of trucking along with life as
1: usual. Yeah. Well, you sound like you got it Like you've got it handled. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would say that, but at least it sounds like it. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that's the perception. <laughs> it definitely is the perception. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about a tougher topic, and I think that a lot of moms, no matter if they're working moms or stay-at-home moms, there's this term mom shaming, and I think that it happens a lot, and that's, it's not okay. Um, Have you ever experienced anything like that for choosing to be a working mom?
0: I haven't. So I would, I was thinking about this topic in anticipation of this, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't think of an example of where I felt like another mom was like kind of explicitly mom shaming me, Mm -hmm. but I have absolutely mom shamed myself by comparing myself to others. So like, for instance, I have some friends that are in a variety of working fields Mm -hmm. And as soon as they became parents, they either totally stopped working or significantly reduced. Right. Yeah. And that was something that um, was of no interest mm-hmm. to me. But I have had multiple occasions where I have stopped and thought. Am I less of a mom because I want to work? Like, is there something wrong with my maternal instinct that I don't want to be home all
1: day? You make me cry, Jackie,
0: <laughs> because I adore my kids, yeah. but like, momming is the hardest job in the world. I have such an easier time being here at work and working than trying to entertain mm-hmm. my kids and like do all the mom things right. and parent things. So. um, like I definitely struggled with that, um, but but I'm happy with my decision because, like I said, yeah. I think if I feel good as a person and, and productive and professional, and you know my career is important to me, then I think that makes me a better mom. And so for me, that
1: balance is really important. Definitely, and and like you said, as long as you are doing what's best for you, you're doing what's best for your family. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think that that goes across the board. You know, with people that. Work a little bit. People that work a lot. People that don't work. Whatever is best for them is best for their family. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Everyone has a different situation, and so yeah, I agree.
1: Have you noticed? And this might just be like society and the media. And I'm not a mom, so I haven't experienced this. Well, you're a dog mom. I am a dog mom, which is don't quite get the same uh, (laughs) mom shaming when it comes to that, (laughs) but. Have you noticed that there's kind of like groups that cling together? You know, like the working moms kind of band together, and the stay-at-home moms band together. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Definitely.
0: Um, And I think I'm going to see more of that now that I have that my daughter is actually in elementary school. And yeah, um, yeah. I just like, for instance, her four K is only half day. So I have to sign her up for like aftercare. Mm-hmm. And I was um, texting a couple of the moms that I knew um, that are at her school and they all are staying home and all their kids took the bus home yeah. early. And so then they're home playing with parents and my daughter's just playing in the gym for a couple hours. <laughs> but having a really good time. Having we a really say good that. time yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, I do think that um, there are I have found it difficult to like socialize with other moms because the moms, at least in my neighborhood mm-hmm. that socialize, um, do so during the day uh, They're home with the kids. There we go. And by the time I get home, it's like, um, I call it the mad brush after work. It's like cooking, feeding, mm-hmm. bath time, bed. And I don't get a chance to like breathe totally. until, you know, about 8 p.m. And yeah. so the idea of like going and socializing with a mom down the street is just like a joke. Right. So um yeah, I yeah, I think that those groups definitely band together because mm-hmm. it's just kind of the environment. And it,
1: it's like shared experiences yeah. and advice and things yeah. like that too. Yeah, and availability. <laughs> yes, I would imagine. <laughs> I would imagine yeah. there's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, Cause you're a little busy here. Just, I'm not just gonna little, lie. Just a little. Yeah. Well, that is great. I mean I can only say enough how much I think you're doing an amazing job and kicking ass <laughs> at both work and being a mom. You know what? We shouldn't... should have brought Eden in here and got her opinion. Maybe that we'll do good. a bonus episode with Eden. I think
0: that'd be a great idea.
1: Okay. Yeah. We'll do that. Maybe okay. we'll schedule one for multiple kids of the office to come in. That would be awesome. Look at you, genius. <laughs> genius. It's time for the definition of the day. All right, today we're going to talk about a non-compete clause. What the heck is that, Jackie? What the heck is a non-compete clause? Well,
0: um, it is a term that is found within an employment contract that you would usually uh, sign right when you start a job, and it can also be called a restrictive covenant, And it's a clause where the employee agrees not to enter into a similar profession or trade if they are either terminated or they leave the job for a specific period of time. Um, And so the idea behind these clauses is that um, the employer is trying to protect um, client lists, Mm -hmm. trade secrets, marketing strategies, business strategies, and preventing the employee from taking this boatload of knowledge to their competitor and right. using
1: it and giving them an unfair advantage. Right. Okay. How, I mean, I think that there's a lot of things out there that people are like, ah, they can't enforce this. They can't. <laughs> How enforceable are these clauses? Oh,
0: they're totally enforceable, they're totally legal, mm-hmm. um, and often they're coupled with other. Um, Covenants within the larger agreement, like confidentiality is usually in there, non solicitation mm-hmm. is usually in there, um, but they're very legal. And in Wisconsin, we are we do tend to fall on the employee side of things, so um, that's good. But they're still they're still enforceable. They're still mm-hmm. legal. So read it when you sign it, um, yeah. and
1: really take a look at it if you decide to leave. So. Let's say that either you don't read it or you're under the assumption that it's not enforceable or you just don't care and you break it. What happens? (laughs) What can happen? Okay. So I
0: guess I'll start by saying um, that what I would recommend is that if you're looking for a different job, pull it out, read it, call a lawyer and say, Hey, I'm looking to to jump from company A to B. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be a problem? And then what we can do, or, you know, some, or you could probably even do this yourself a little Mm bit, um, is try and negotiate this before you make the jump and just make sure that you're not violating it. If you don't look at it, you ignore it, Mm -hmm. um, and you jump ship. The first thing that'll probably happen is you'll receive a cease and desist letter from a law firm that represents your first employer mm-hmm. is telling you to stop working. And Whoa. then if you don't respond to that, you'll probably get, um, you'll probably be served with a lawsuit. Oh my gosh. Yep. Um, yep. So, and that lawsuits are incredibly expensive. So mm-hmm. what could have been something that could have been negotiated on the front end and, and just dealt with, right. uh, with some really informal discussions now has turned into this whole big thing. And yeah. And what they'll probably do right off the bat um, in that type of case, if they file the lawsuit, is they'll seek an injunction to prohibit you from um, violating the agreement, which really could be stopping you from working completely.
1: Okay, wow. I have, and I, I don't mean to throw this on you, but I was talking to a friend of a friend this weekend who, totally different world, does investment banking in New York. Okay. But they said that, or maybe it's not, it might not be investment. We don't want to be held accountable for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's something to do with money. In money. New York. <laughs> Some finance yes. job in New York. Yes. Okay. And they said that in their specific field, because it's very specialized, um, what they do, the companies, is they pay for a sabbatical for a person that wants to leave. Oh, wow. For whatever period of time their non-compete is for.
0: So, so the non-competes are short. But yeah.
1: I know that this person isn't working for a period of like six or nine months and they're on sabbatical with the company. What do you think of that as a solution? That's
0: pretty bomb.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Unrealistically amazing. That's pretty bomb.
0: Yeah. Um, I can't say that I've ever heard that before, mm-hmm. but that is really protecting. That's the employer just going above and beyond to mm-hmm. protect their interests. And you know what? When I think about the cases that we've had mm-hmm. where the employer has come after the employee for these non-competes, they probably spend that much in legal fees totally. to enforce it. So totally. why not just, you know, deal with it on the front end mm-hmm. and just say, okay, fine, but yeah. sit tight for six, nine months, whatever it is. Right. Um, right. And I will say in Wisconsin, the term um, of the non-compete that I see most mm-hmm. common and that Wisconsin courts have said is reasonable is one year, Okay. which- isn't a lot in contract world but, but is a yeah. lot in the employment world right yeah right. yeah exactly
1: so exactly yeah. just know
0: if you see that one year period that that's right off the bat gonna be okay got um, it yeah. Oof, yeah it's a lot
1: well yeah no i i liked that idea of what they were doing and i yeah. think it also makes their job or it makes their position much more coveted because who wouldn't want to oh, work yeah. for somewhere where it's like we're okay with you changing jobs And we'll pay for this period where ultimately they get to search for another job if they want to leave. Yeah. How amazing. So
0: how does that work? Do they, they leave and Mm -hmm. then they get the
1: sabbatical before they've even secured another job? My understanding is it's dependent on the person. So I know that this person already has a job. I don't know if he got it before or after he was on a sabbatical, but I think it's dependent on the person and what they want to do. Wow. Pretty mind blowing. Yeah.
0: Well, and then Wisconsin here too. I mean, there is this idea that, um, or this policy rather, that we do want to promote the free flow of employees Mm -hmm. working and being able to shift jobs and do what's right for them. So although these non-competes are definitely legal and enforceable, they do need to be written in a reasonable way. It can't be so overly broad that you say, "Well, you can't go work for a competitor in any capacity." It needs to be kind of limited in scope. Right. Um, so I guess we have that going for us. <laughs> That's one, one thing we have, Yeah, so. yeah. But I, but even with that, um, it's it's would take a lot of resources and money to actually litigate that. Whereas, again, it's just kind of ironing out. That stuff on the front end would be definitely, yeah, the better, the better um, way to go about it.
1: Well, thank you, Jackie, so much for sitting down and talking with us. I learned a lot. Uh, (laughs) I learned something too. Look at that! Look at that! It's just like an incubator for ideas here. Yeah, (laughs) this was fun. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Zealous. This series is brought to you by Gimbel, Riley, Karen, and Brown, located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you think you need a lawyer, contact us at grgblaw.com. Tune in for our next episode, where we'll sit down with GRGB associate Nicole Masnica. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode of Zealous.